What do you do when you're facing a crisis? Perhaps you might consult a friend or maybe some sort of expert. Well, the ancient Romans had a go-to source for advice whenever they had a major problem. And the advice they got was different. Learn more about the Sibylline books and how they gave the Romans advice during a time of crisis on this episode of Everything Everywhere Daily. This episode is sponsored by ButcherBox. Summer is right around the corner, and that means cookouts. No matter what your preferred food is for a cookout or a barbecue, ButcherBox can help you make it the best. If you want to serve up some hamburgers, ButcherBox has grass-fed ground beef to make the perfect smash burger. Want to cook up some steaks? Well, ButcherBox has that too, with some of the best cuts of steak, such as New York Strip, ribeye, and filet mignon. Do you like grilled chicken? Well, ButcherBox has some of the best pasture-raised chicken that you will find anywhere. And if you really want to wow people at your next cookout, you can try grilling some of their wild-caught salmon on a cedar plank. Sign up at ButcherBox.com daily and get a special deal. ButcherBox is offering my listeners a free-for-a-year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breasts, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at ButcherBox.com daily and use code daily to choose your free-for-a-year offer, plus get $20 off your first order. Hey everyone, this is Gary. If you're listening to this podcast, you clearly are someone who likes to learn every day. And if you want to add a little more learning into your everyday routine, check out TED Talks Daily, the podcast that brings you a new TED Talk every weekday. In less than 15 minutes a day, you'll hear about some of the big ideas shaping our world. This includes everything from artificial intelligence to the search for dark matter and more. Listen to TED Talks Daily wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is sponsored by CuriosityStream. If you're a fan of this podcast, you'll probably be a fan of CuriosityStream. How do I know that? Because I get many of my episode ideas from shows on CuriosityStream. Some of the shows on my watch list include ones on woolly mammoths, the Cassini mission to Saturn, the sushi industry, the domestication of dogs, the evolution of humans, and the future of the automobile. You can get an entire year of Curiosity Stream for less than $20. It's so cheap that you almost can't afford to not get it. If you're remotely curious about the world you live in, go to everything-everywhere.com slash CuriosityStream to start your subscription. Once again, that's everything-everywhere.com slash CuriosityStream. Ancient Romans had a lot of ideas and traditions which would sound really weird to us today. For example, before they did anything really important, they would need to determine the will of the gods through interpreting omens. How they did this was rather unusual. One method was by taking auguries. Auguries were the interpreting of fortunes by looking at birds. An auger would analyze the flight of birds to determine if the fortunes for something were good or bad. An auger was actually a really important person, and regardless if you were starting a new business or going on a trip, you would first consult the auger. You wouldn't want to start something without a positive auspicium. Auspicium is the Latin root of the word auspicious. Another way they would take omens is through horospices. Horospices are omens taken from the entrails of sacrificed animals. They would look at the intestines and the livers of the animals that were sacrificed, and from that, they could predict the future. 
So once you've accepted that your fortunes can be determined by animal intestines and flying birds, then it is a short step to believing almost anything else. If you remember back to my episode explaining the various eras of Rome, before it was an empire, it was a republic, and before it was a republic, it was a kingdom. This story starts with the last king of Rome, Tarquinius. All in all, he wasn't really a great guy, and that's why Rome stopped having kings. During the reign of Tarquinius, an old woman appeared in Rome who offered to sell the king nine books of prophecies for a large sum of money. The king, not needing a bunch of expensive prophecy books, said no to the deal. In response, the woman burned three of the books and then offered them to the king again at the same price. The king once again said no, so the woman burned three more of the books and offered the remaining three to the king again at the same price. At this point, the king goes to visit one of the augurs and asks him about the books, and the augur tells the king that it was very important for Rome to have these books. So the king eventually gave in and paid the full price for the three remaining books. This is easily one of the most interesting bargaining strategies in world history, and I guess what makes it historic is the fact that it worked. The books were written in Greek, and they were tomes of poetry written in hexameter. The woman, it's believed, was probably a Greek prophetess or oracle. Greek female oracles were known as sibyls, and the books became known as the Sibylline books. The king placed the books in a vault in a temple, and the books could only be consulted in the event of a major crisis. After the kingdom collapsed and the republic was declared, the control of the books was placed in the hands of the senate. At first, there were two patricians who were given responsibility over the books. That was eventually expanded to ten people five patricians, and five plebeians. Their job was to keep the book safe and hidden. This was eventually and finally expanded to 15 people plus two Greek interpreters. At first, the books were stored at the Temple of Jupiter on the Capitoline Hill. However, in 83 BC, the temple burned down and the books were lost. In 76 BC, the Senate then collected other prophetic sayings from Greek oracles from around the Mediterranean and deposited these new books in the rebuilt Temple of Jupiter. Only books that were consistent with the previous lost books, as determined by the guardians of the books, were permitted in the collection. In 12 BC, they were copied and transferred to the Temple of Apollo on the Palatine Hill by the Emperor Augustus. They are believed to have remained there until the year 408, when they were destroyed by the Roman general Flavius Stilcho. So, when exactly were these books consulted? Basically, any time things looked bad, or when something like a comet appeared in the sky. Plagues, famines, fires, floods, invasions were all reasons for the Romans to consult the Sibylline books. This wasn't something that they did all the time. This would have been something that was done maybe a few times a decade. However, there's no comprehensive list of times when the books were consulted. The contents of the book were not prophecies like you might think of Nostradamus prophecies. The books weren't trying to predict future events per se. It mostly consisted of prescriptions for what to do and what rites to perform to appease the gods and to forestall bad fortunes from befalling Rome. Perhaps one of the best-known Sibylline consultations was used during the Second Punic War in 216 BC. If you remember back to my episode on the Fabian strategy in the Battle of Cannae, the Romans were desperate. Hannibal was running all over Italy, and the Romans couldn't stop him. They consulted the books and did what the books told them to do. The advice of the books was to bury alive two Greeks and two Gauls in the middle of the Forum. So that is exactly what they did. Burying people alive to stop a foreign army might sound crazy to us, but as I mentioned, it isn't that far of a step if you're using goat entrails to try to predict the future. 
From 241 to 238 BC, Rome suffered from a severe drought. A consultation of the books told the Romans to build a temple to Flora, the goddess of flowers, and to hold annual games in her name. So, that's what they did. It became known as the Festival of Floralia, which was an ancient precursor to the holiday which we call May Day. The books may have had a hand in the assassination of Julius Caesar. Supposedly, the books said that only a king could conquer Parthia, the empire in what is today modern Iraq and Iran. Caesar was planning on going on campaign against Parthia before he was killed, and many people thought that the prophecy meant that Caesar was going to declare himself king. While the Romans did take the book seriously, it's pretty easy to interpret prophecy to whatever you want, because nothing in the books was very specific, it was easy to use the prophecies for political purposes. Also, while most people did give lip service to the books, there clearly were limits as to when the advice of the books would be taken. In 143 BC, the books were consulted on another matter when they found that something didn't bode well for the Aqua Martius, which was one of the largest aqueducts bringing water to Rome. After much debate, the Senate decided that they needed water more than the prophecy, so they just ignored it. Likewise, in the year 15, the Tiber River flooded, and the Emperor Tiberius refused to let the books be consulted, probably because he didn't want a prophecy getting in the way of his efforts. I've done several episodes talking about ancient Rome. In many respects, especially in terms of things like civil engineering and social complexity, the Romans were far more advanced than we might think. But then you have to remember the other things in their society, like the Sibylline books and taking Heraspices, and how they actually made policy decisions based on these things, and you realize just how different from us they really were. The associate producer of Everything Everywhere Daily is Thor Thompson. Today's review comes from listener Matt in Port Ferry, Australia on Apple Podcasts. He writes, Pub Quiz Champion. Fantastic series which will make me the Pub Quiz Champion. He was great as a travel blogger and can do great podcasts as well. I look forward to any long drive so I can catch up on the Everything Everywhere back catalog. Well, thanks, Matt. I've done many a long road trip in Australia. From Port Ferry, I'd recommend driving up to Port Douglas, then jot over to Darwin, head down to Perth, and then go back home. By my estimate, and by my, I mean Google Maps, that should take you a good 135 hours of driving. Enough to listen to every episode about five times. Remember, if you leave a review, you too can have your review read on the show. 